All right, well, we're so glad you're here this morning. I do want to follow up on one announcement that Pastor Nate made earlier, just to give you a little bit of a reasoning and background. We are going to be doing a prayer and communion night tonight. And uh, it's, it's at an odd time. It's at 5.50, and so I'm going to explain a little bit why the odd time. I was at a meeting the other day, and it came to my attention from a source in the state government that there's a group that is meeting in Austin today at 555 and it's going to be a group of witches and shamans and all those kind of folks and the atmosphere that they're going to be trying to create is not the atmosphere that we want. So we decided, we already had this meeting scheduled, we decided we're going to meet at 5.50 and we're going to pray against what they're going to be asking for before it starts. So I want you guys to join us tonight and then we're going to be having communion as well. And so as Pastor Nate said, out there in the foyer on the counter is the individually wrapped um, sacraments. For communion, and so take whatever you need to take home so that your family can join online tonight and, and be a part of that. And so we wanted to make that available to you, so please uh, uh, join us tonight. Uh, there was a text, an email, and stuff set out that has the information on how you can log in and watch and be a part of that. You know, I'm talking about a subject t- today that uh, if I do this right, you all may be mad at me. Because we do. We live in an environment where there's all kinds of things going on. And as I was thinking about that, you know, that, that even though we live, and please, I'm trying not to lean too far one way or the other. I'm trying to really think this through. And I've been asking the Lord to give me the words to share from what he's laid on my heart. But even though we live in one of the most historically prosperous and peaceful nations on the planet, Nobody's ever said that, that uh, this nation does not have its troubles. There's not an earthly kingdom or nation that doesn't have its issues. It's not possible. But even though we, we live in the place that we live and we have all these things that are available, you can do studies today. I mean, think of this. We've got the greatest, some of the greatest education system that's been there. We've got all the stuff, anything anybody can ask for is available. And there's an opportunity to, to prosper in life and all of these things. But even in the midst of all that, survey after survey say that people's response is the one thing that they need the most is some form of the word peace. Let that sink in for a moment. Because you know what? We don't live imperfect yet, and so there's always going to be something. Yeah, with all the things that many people talk about, so many people are without this inner peace. You know, it's great to know that even in the midst of difficulties, even in the midst of circumstances that don't seem right and and things that can have us worry, we can still have inner peace. We can still walk in the peace because we serve the Prince of Peace. And, And people, but what do people do? We live at a time where people try to find peace in all sorts of avenues that they chase after. They try to medicate their way to peace. They 
try to drink their way to peace. They try to have relationships they shouldn't have to find some peace. And we see all of these things taking place. But the problem is, is that so many think that the way to peace is an absence of trouble. If I can get enough entertainment, if I can get enough escapism, I can have peace. But that's not where peace comes from. And so we see people chase after so many things. Let me say this, and I mean this with all my heart. I hope you understand where I'm coming from. Less trouble does not mean more peace. The Bible says that in this life we will have troubles. But you can choose to have peace, true peace. True peace comes not from man, but from God. There is nothing man can come up with. There's no program. There's nothing that can be accomplished by man's hand that will bring peace. If you want to have true peace, it comes from God. Galatians 5.22 tells us this. God is listing, I mean, in God's word, he's listing what we call the gifts, I'm sorry, the fruit of the Spirit. And if you notice, one of the fruit of the Spirit is peace. In other words, that's a byproduct of having the Spirit of the living God in you. And so we need this peace. This morning, my main thought is this, in a world of disharmony, Peace can only be made by being in harmony with God. That's the only choice we have. Yeah, I've been walking through on Wednesday nights, if you've been watching any of the little devotions I've been shooting on my back patio and laying them out there. And, and then the last few, and I've been talking about what we call the upside down statements of God. There are things that Jesus said that goes completely opposite, upside down from what the world thinks. The problem is the world thinks it's right side up. And actually Jesus' statements are the ones that were right side up. And we've been talking about things that Jesus said over the last few weeks. And, and I was going to move in a different direction, but uh, let me give you a little bit of a background. The other day, I was sitting in my office. I got up, and, and I don't know about you. I mean, I do a morning devotion. That is one of the first things I do. But I am not one that just wakes up bright-eyed and ready to go. There's a little bit of some sipping of coffee and letting the cobwebs escape before I can get into my devotion time. So I typically just kind of peruse various things, you know, see what's going on in the world the night before and that kind of stuff. And and so I, and also, you know, there's things that the church puts out on different social media platforms that, you know, and so I always like to check and see what kind of response we've gotten or if somebody submitted questions to the church that needs to be answered and that kind of thing. And, and so I was looking at all that. And as I was scrolling through some things, there were people that I love very much and people that I know and I know their hearts and I know who they are. And I was watching as people were taking positions on various things in one extreme or the other. And I was watching comments about how that if, if, if somebody had a different viewpoint than their extreme viewpoint, they were saying, well, we just can't be friends anymore. And I was like, when did we get here? 
Because there are some complex, complex things going on around us. And, and when do we lose the capability to sit down and to love one another even when we disagree? And so I'm not trying to get too political this morning, but as I sit there and I, and I begin to look at all that, there was something in my heart that began to grieve a little bit. Because I, I just like, Lord, how did we get here? There seems to be a volatility that is in the air. And in all honesty, it's very concerning. I'm using concerning because I don't walk in fear, but there's some things, there's some concerns that we all should have. And so as I was looking at that and as I was thinking about that, my mind went to, the, it just jumped into my mind, Matthew 5, 9. It's a statement of Jesus. It says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And I thought about that. And so I actually was like, you know, I don't want to, I have a policy. I don't wade into online arguments. If somebody wants to sit down and talk to me, I've never seen an online argument convince anybody of anything. If somebody wants to sit down and have a conversation, I will talk to them. I've, I'll tell you, I've got very strong opinions. I do. And they're pretty set. And if you really want to know, I'll tell you about them. But my point is this. I posted that passage. I was like, you know what? I don't want to. We need to get back to the idea that blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. I didn't say a word, I just posted scripture. Now, it was interesting what happened after that. Because there began to be responses. And, and one response, and I'll talk, I'm not going to get into too much details because I'm not angry at anybody. But there was kind of a shot back across the bow, and I just said, hey, Jesus' words, not mine. If you've got a problem, take it up with him. So I began to think about that. Blessed are the peacemakers. And I begin dealing with and processing the question, who and what is a peacemaker? Because if Jesus said they're blessed, I kind of think, hey, I kind of want to be one of those. Right? Well, I realized something that I never really saw this way. One thing for sure, peacemakers are not peacekeepers. There's, there's a difference. You know, I'm one that usually, when there's extreme things going on, I'm kind of like, you know, the truth is in the middle there somewhere. Now, it may lean a little more one way or one or the other, but we all know when something's being debated, there's extreme opinions on both ends, and they're both wrong. Right? Or can, you, can we at least agree on that one? You guys are quiet. I told you I'm going to be in trouble today. I usually like to take a balanced approach. I like to think things through. And, and because of that, I've been accused of being passive. You know, but in reality, being a peacekeeper 
is the more passive approach. And what I mean by that is what happens when there's a conflict going on in the world and there's two sides getting ready to go to war and the United Nations decides we're going to send in peacekeepers. What that means is extra targets between the two enemies. Right? I mean, they send in an army with baby blue helmets and baby blue vehicles. That's not very intimidating. And they don't want to be there. They, they don't want to be between two hostile sides. They hate being there. They hate doing that job because chances are they signed up to serve their country and now they had to pull off their country's flag and be in the middle of two countries that are disputing each other. And it's not a nice place to be. And the whole job, and please understand me, the whole job is to keep the two sides segregated. You can't have peace, true peace, in a segregated situation. Now, I'm not trying to get racial here at all. Please understand my heart. Somehow, now, there are times that somebody does have to step in the middle. Because something has to be put to a stop for a little bit. But have you ever tried to break up a fight? You might get punched by both sides, right? But the point I'm making is this. Is that many times peacekeeping is a passive approach. And, and, and it's stepping in and it's keeping the side. And it's almost like the idea... Of if we can keep the two sides separated and keep them from shooting or killing each other and the, the hostilities drop a little bit, ah, oh, we have peace. But that's not true peace. That's not a healing to the situation. Now think about this. Adam and Eve means we're all related. You trace it all the way back, no matter what divisions we put in, we all started there. We all have the same family tree. But the problem is, when the serpent came along, when Satan came along, what was the first thing he did? He tried to create separation, segregation between man and God. And he's been doing that ever since. Everywhere we look, this group is divided against this group. Even in the church, there are Christians that won't associate with other blood-bought, born-again Christians because of some little doctrinal difference. Once again, I got strong opinions. But there needs to be See what I'm saying? The enemy divides and divides and segregates and segregates and so forth. And there's the truth is, we see it again and again and again. Man, I'm going to get in trouble with this one. But I'm going to say it anyway. I really pray, Lord, show me what to say and when to... Mm. (laughs) 
Try throwing out the statement, all lives matter, and see what kind of feedback you get. And I understand. I understand. There's, there's, but the truth is, Jesus did die for all lives. And, and, and like I said, I'm not taking shots because we know that there's been some injustices. There's no doubt about it. But the idea of, of keeping people separated when, when Jesus died for us all, he wants to bring us all together. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're born, or what your circumstance, Jesus died for you. And your life matters because he was nailed to the cross because of that. Let me give you a biblical example. I was really praying about it. Lord, where's, where's an example I can kind of illustrate what I'm talking about so people get it? Because I know I'm wading in deep today. And I hope everybody here understands my heart because I love you all. But my point is this. Paul was dealing with a situation in the church in Galatia. They, there was divisions there. There were people that are part, I mean, and, and Jesus was saving them all. There were those that were Jews, and they were proud of it. They were descendants of Abraham. And they were shocked when Jesus started saving Gentiles. And, and they had a struggle with that. And then some of them were saying, well, if they're, okay, if God is saving them and this is really happening, happening, then they have to become one of us. They have to do everything that we do. They have to do it like we do it or they can't be a part. Then come to find out God's saving women. And he's filling them with his spirit. And he's using them in the church. And he's saving slaves. And slave owners. And so there's all this stuff going on that that he's having to deal with. And he's trying to say, guys, we're all one family under Christ. Read this. Galatians 3, 26 through 28. This is what he's dealing with. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male and female, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. See, the truth is we have an enemy that loves to keep us divided. He even does it in the church. But that's not what God wants. God doesn't want the peace just kept. He doesn't want us to stay segregated and stay on our own corners. He called us to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. Because in a world of disharmony, 
peace can only be made through being brought into harmony with God. So what does it mean? It means we need to know peace. There's an old saying. We need to know peace. You heard the saying, no God, no peace? There's a continuation to that. No God, no peace. So many of us today, we're eaten up with worry and fret, and we see it all around us. And as I said, there's this, there's this tension that's in the air. And, and I understand that. Because when you see everything that's going on, I mean, I, I tell you what, I don't even like to watch the news anymore. I don't even like, you know, I used to have my homepage that came up on, on one of the news pages I like. I don't even like it anymore. Because it's all doom and gloom. And it'd be something that'd be so easy for us to get down and weighted down and all of those things and, and, and be in that difficulty, in that mindset. Because that means that we have to trust some unseen hands that somehow he is still in control and somehow he is still going to work things out and somehow he still has us in the palm of his hand and somehow it's still going to work out for our good and somehow he's still going to be victorious in the end. We have to trust that he knows what he's doing. And sometimes that hard. There's, you know, if we're honest, there's not a single one of us that hasn't at some point said, God, what are you doing? And I understand 2020 has given us plenty to worry about. Right? Pandemic. Murder hornets. Racial unrest, and now hurricane season. I told Kim driving in, I says, you know what? I fully expect to see a headline any moment describing scientists have discovered one of the crazy creatures that's in Revelation. We just discovered this new giant bug, and it's got this head, and it's got this breastplate and a scorpion tail. I was like, yeah, I read about that. You know, the sad thing is it really wouldn't surprise me. But in all honesty, it feels like we've stepped into a new season. Please hear me. That for whatever reason, it's like God has hit. It's the next step button. And it feels like we're fast forwarding towards the end times. And in all honesty, we shouldn't be surprised. Scripture told us these things would happen. There is, make no mistake, and I'm not one that dives into every little conspiracy theory, although there's a lot of them that you're like, yeah, I kind of think maybe they're right. But there is a push for a one world government. And we know that the day will come that that will happen. But should we be afraid? No, because I know whose hands 
holds my future. He told us this was going to be, this was going to happen. Now, good news is, with all my heart, I believe at some point in that, and I think we'll see the ramp up. I think there'll be, I'm not going to say it's all going to be roses and perfect until the time, but at some point, we know the trumpet's going to sound and we're out of here. And it's going to get worse after that. These people that thought all their human ideas were going to make utopia, they're going to find out it doesn't. I don't know what's going to happen next, but I know who's got it in control. I know he's got a plan, and I know he's got a track record of seeing his people through. Think of it. All through Bible history, God said, the season of my wrath is coming. And all through history, he took care of his own. That is not going to change. He's got us. We can have and we can know this peace, but we need to be peacekeepers. I mean, not peacekeepers, peacemakers sharing what we know to be true with other people. I'm not talking about getting in arguments. I'm talking about let them see that peace in you. Let them see that love and that joy in you, even despite the things that are going on, till it becomes so contagious that he asks, how can you be at peace during all this? Well, let me tell you, I'm glad you asked. We need faith. We need belief. We need peace. We need Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. The Lord sends peace. This peace is much more than the absence of hatred or hostility or trouble. This peace is more than just some concept of the mind or some psychological state. This peace is much better than any manufactured medication or anything we could do to calm our nerves. Shalom carries with it the idea of, a, of actively seeking the other person's welfare. To me, that's what we're missing so much today. He said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. And he said in the second greatest command is to love your neighbor as yourself. When did we lose that? When do we lose putting our neighbor first? See, God's shalom always brings divine wisdom into a circumstance. It always brings more than enough blessing to get by. It always includes his amazing grace. It always includes his divine power and his strength to walk through whatever season we have to walk through. Philippians 4.7 says this. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is the peace that the world needs. If that's not good enough for you, Jesus himself said, he said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus gave his life to make peace with God the Father. 
a last thought is this. We need to get in the business of making peace. We need to make peace. We need to know it, and we need to sow it. Because how many know that too many times as believers we're guilty of like, well, I got my peace. Those poor people over there, they show need what I got. What? I'm supposed to go tell them? Oh, that's not my calling. Well, I told you, I'm getting in trouble today. Peacekeepers. Peacekeepers keep their peace to themselves. They see peace as keeping trouble separated from them. They wouldn't dream of getting in the middle of trouble to try to make peace. Let me ask you this. Where is the you reap what you sow? If we want to make peace, we've got to sow peace. Peacemakers are active in their God-given authority. Did you know as a born-again, spirit-filled believer... You have authority. You can step into situations. And you can be that voice of reason, that voice of peace. Now, I would step into a situation prayed up. I would do what the Lord told me to do and be obedient. And not, you know, let me say this. Making peace isn't going in and being the boss and telling everybody what to do. Because some, there are some people that just don't respond to that. You have to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. But the great news is, he knows the avenue to each and every heart we deal with. So what is a peacemaker? Well, I did some looking and I was reminded of something. I knew this, but I never really thought of it this way. Did you know that in... Um, 1873, there was a Colt 45 single action revolver that was called the Peacemaker. That is not what I'm talking about. <laughs> Although, in all fairness, I wouldn't mind having one locked in the safe at the house, okay? I'm not anti whatever. But we have our own peacemaker. And we step into a situation we're not stepping in powerless. See, the problem is, and please hear me, the problem is we are living in a world that wants to bring a pistol to a sword fight. We have the authority of a double-edged sword that is sharper than anything, that is quick to divide. We have been given the authority and the weapon we need. And the world wants to settle it 
by their own strength and their own ways and their own abilities, and too often they want to resort to violence. No matter where you land, we both know, and I'm being honest, we know that there's extremes on both sides of everything we're facing right now that wants a violent response. Never in my life did I think I would hear people that I know saying, throwing out words like civil war. That ought to shake us to our core. That ought to bring us back to the foot of the cross and realize that that is not what's going to fix things, that we need to put those kind of weapons away and pick up the sword of the Spirit and do things in the right way. I'm going to end with a story this morning that as I was preparing, I ran across this, and it was so good. In 1902, there was war that was about to break out between Argentina and Chile. Right on the border, it was over some disputed borderland, and both sides were clamoring, and there was division, and there was this, this, this clashes at the border and all these things going on, and it was ramping up, and it looked like there was about to be war between the two nations. A group came up with an idea. Hey, let's take that tallest peak in that area, over 1,200, over, yeah, 1,200, 12,000 feet in the air, or something like that. I got the figure here. Hang on. I don't want to lie to you. 12,572 feet in the air. This high point where everybody could see. And they said, let's build this huge statue of Jesus. Right there, right on the border, right at that high point where everybody around can see it. So they raised some funds and got some things together and began to, to assemble it. Now they could only haul the, the pieces to this statue in so far, and literally they had to carry it the rest of the way by dragging it by mule and burrow and whatever means they could get to put this statue together and begin to build it and to assemble it. It was completed two years later. The tensions were still high between the two nations. It looked like war was sure. But they finished the statue. There's a group of soldiers from Chile, a group of soldiers from Argentina, that happened to decide about the same time they were going to climb that mountain. They met at the top. Under the feet of Jesus. Guns went off. But it was in celebration of what happened. Both standing there, both groups looked at each other and says, how can we fight under the cross? I've got a picture of the statue. 
in that spot, both of them said, we have to find a way to peace because of what he did for us. Like I said, gunfire happened, but it was celebrating that there wasn't going to be a war. If you go there today, it's called Christ the Redeemer of the Andes, and you will find this statement inscribed on it. Sooner shall these mountain crags crumble to dust than Chile and Argentina shall go to war again with each other. There has not been a conflict since. Today's conflicts did not catch Jesus by surprise. Matter of fact, I read Matthew 24, 10 through 13 quite differently than I've ever read it before. Jesus is talking about the end times. And he says this. And then many will be offended. Will portray one another. Will, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. I don't know about you, but man, that hit me different than when times I read. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the signs of the end times. Offended? Angry? Hatred? Betrayal? Lawlessness? False teachers? That's every webpage. It's where we're at. We don't need peacekeepers. We need peacemakers. And the same thing that worked at the top of that mountain is what we need to work today. We all need to come back to the foot of the cross. We all Need Jesus himself said, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men to me. We've got to get back to being the church. We've got to be back, get back to being spirit-filled people. We've got to get back to being peacemakers, being the ones that, that are different than everything else we see all around us. It's time we become the church again. I don't know about you. It says, blessed are the peacemakers. Now that's in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus goes through a whole list of things. But you know what? I want to be blessed enough that I want to do all those. And being a peacemaker is part of it. And we need to get back on our face before God and we need to pray for this nation. We need to pray for our neighbors. Instead of calling somebody that disagrees with you a name or taking shots at them, when was the last time you stopped and prayed for them? You guys are quiet. <laughs> but we've got to. It's the only hope we've got. It's the only hope the world has. 
We've got to. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands or an altar call because this is something we've got to process. This is something we've got to make decisions on ourselves. But I do want to do this. I want to conclude this morning by praying for our nation and praying for those that we know. And I challenge you to, to let the Holy Spirit put some people on your mind that you know that you can begin to call out their name. And we need to work to get people to the foot of the cross and let him change hearts. Because that's the only hope. Hearts have to be changed. Pray with me. Lord, we come before you today. Would you see the state of this nation? You see the state of so many things. Lord, everything that you said right there in, in Scripture, Lord, we see it. It's, it's daily headlines now. And there's trouble and there's so many things all around. And Lord, I truly believe that we are headed towards, that we're moving fastly towards the very end. And Lord, I realize that you could wave your, your, your hand and you could send revival and, and, and we could carry on and things could be set right. But Lord, that's what we need. But Lord, I also know there are things that must happen because you said that they would. But Lord, at whatever time we have, let us be peacemakers. Let us be those that call out other people's names before your throne, asking you to reach in and to touch their hearts and to transform their lives and to bring them back into right standing and right repentance with you. Because, Lord, if we all meet at the foot of the cross, all of a sudden our differences don't seem so huge. But we've all got things to repent of. So, Lord, we ask you, Pour out your spirit on your people. Heal our land. Lord, what a time in the midst of all this for you to send revival, for you to begin to pour out your spirit, for you to begin to raise your people up to be the peacemakers that you, that you called us to be. Lord, now is the time and we ask you to pour out your spirit. We ask you to transform our hearts and our attitudes. Lord, I stand here right here before you, Lord, in, in places that, Lord, if there's places that I'm wrong, Lord, I ask you to show me and change my heart and change my mind so that I can be true and right with you and Lord can help draw others. Lord, we desperately need you. Lord, come and heal our land. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I challenge you tonight, don't forget as you leave to grab the communion supplies as you're on your way out. The, the offering box, just because of trying to cut down touch points and crowds and stuff, is out on the, is out on the counter out there. And, you know, eventually we're going to move back to normal. Today was a huge step forward, and I'm excited about that. It was great to see all of you here. This, you guys, it did my heart good. And I was kind of arguing with the Lord. It's like, well, really, a heavy message when we're finally all coming back together? But God bless you, and please join us tonight, 550 online. God bless.